What is up, friends? It's Dan Dan, the Preacher Man, and TML, the Preacher Man number one, on your favorite podcast, DHP. Uh, two out of four of your favorite pa- staff pastors are here on this episode to talk about counseling in the church. In light of the recent nomination and job description for Mark Von Wald, we are here not to talk so much about Mark Von Wald as much as we like talking about him, uh, but we want to talk about counseling. So I hope you find this conversation good. I hope you find it real good. Uh, So, Michael, we want to talk about this new nomination that we put in front of the congregation uh, for a new staff pastor today. Yeah, great. Thank you for joining me here in the Disciple Henson studio slash Brandon Rourke's office. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, let's let's uh, just talk a little bit about um, counseling in the church. Uh, because I think we've been getting a lot of good questions from the congregation yes, on, we have. on what this looks like. And so let's just start off by thinking what's already happening yeah. in in the church when it comes to counseling. Um, so what do the pastors and elders currently do when it comes to counseling at Henson? This is a good question because I think the proposal of a pastor of counseling might make some people think that this is a new thing. Mm. But in fact... It's the bread and butter of what you and I and the other staff pastors and really all the elders do every day, week in and week out. And there are a variety of things that we do uh, that would fit under that category of counseling. We do premarital counseling. We do marriage counseling. We do a lot of meetings with people who come to us with specific questions about specific problems in their lives. It might be... uh, that somebody is realizing that they're depressed Mm -hmm. and they come to us for counsel. Like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. How do I respond? Uh, It might be that they are noticing that they're always anxious and they come to us for counsel. I've come to you for counsel countless times. Indeed. You, you did Ashley and I's premarital counseling <laughs> That's very years true. ago. I've come to you a number of times for counseling help when there's been issues in my family. I came to you for counsel a, a, you know, a year or two ago when I was starting to feel that desire, that aspiration to be a lead pastor. And you provided me with counsel. With counsel. That's yes. right. So, so counsel, in that sense, is just trying to bring the wisdom of Scripture to bear uh, on specific issues or problems Mm -hmm. uh, in people's lives. And it really runs the whole gamut. I mean, we do counseling related to uh, how parents should raise their children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parenting advice, uh, the the, the wisdom of scripture for parenting is a kind of counseling. Uh, Job, career, future, all, all, all those sorts of things. The, it's it, in some ways it's hard to think of something that I do that doesn't involve at least at some level me providing counsel to members of the congregation, fellow elders, the staff. So, in other words, the elders and the pastors do a lot of this. We do a lot of it, and we're going to get later into the conversation how it's different from uh, maybe discipleship, or yeah. both different and uh, the same. Yes. You know, there's overlapping kind of Venn diagram there. Um, what about the congregation? So, is it just the pastors and the elders who are equipped to counsel? No, I, I think uh, while in the the secular world outside, counseling is a 
a profession. It's a very technical skill and only counselors do counseling inside the church. We're constantly counseling each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, it happens in our small groups when somebody comes and they share a particular problem that they're facing mm -hmm. and the small group listens and prays for them, but also tries to bring the wisdom of scripture to bear in their lives. It happens uh, when any two members get together and really share about the challenges of their life, the, um, the pressures that they might be feeling, mm -hmm. uh, the, the difficulties they might be facing. And one person kind of walking side by side with the other mm -hmm. seeks to bring the wisdom of scripture uh, to bear for them in a way that helps them, that encourages them, that allows them to continue on faithfully following Jesus. So that's really helpful. So then this begs the question, if the staff pastors and the elders are already regularly doing this work, if the congregation just naturally as believers walking side by side with one another are doing this work, why have a new staff pastor particularly oversee the ministry of counseling? That's a great question. Uh, and I'll give you a, a couple of different answers. Uh, one would be because even though we are all constantly trying to bring wisdom to bear in one another's lives, we're offering counsel, God's, God's counsel, we could all get better at it. Certainly. Um, we could all improve. We could all grow in certain skills. Um, it might be that we could grow in the, the listening side of things. It might be that we need to grow in our ability to understand the sorts of challenges or problems that people bring to us. It might be that we could grow in our ability to apply scripture specifically to different kinds of situations. Whatever aspect of it we're thinking about, we could all grow. We could, some of us could grow in just liking it, like liking other people <laughs> That's right. and dealing with their problems. Yes. We see it just more as a burden rather than a privilege and a joy. Indeed. Indeed. I'm not speaking from personal experience. Uh, well, you, you <laughs> particularly need to read Jamie Dunlop's new book, right? Yeah. Um, loving the people that drive you crazy. Yes. Uh, so, so I think we could all grow in our ability to offer wise biblical counsel and, and if we're going to grow as a church, it'd be really helpful to have somebody who was taking responsibility for that, mm -hmm. who could give leadership to that, could maybe particularly bring to our life corporately as well as individually uh, more focused training, teaching, mm -hmm. uh, development. A second reason I think it's so important is, as you mentioned, this is something we are doing all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be helpful for the church if there was a pastor for whom like a, a big part of his job responsibilities was to give himself to this work. Mm -hmm. I spoke to another uh, pastor recently, not at this church, who said I, I was trying to provide him. He sought me out for some counsel. And he said, basically, my schedule seems to mainly consist of I prepare my sermon or my Sunday school lesson, whatever uh, for the week. And then I'm putting out fires the rest of the time. Yeah. And in God's kindness, you know, we, we have uh, four staff pastors, we have, um, godly, humble servants, 15 elders. We have a, a healthy congregation by God's grace, Amen. but it can, you know, at times it can feel like there are certain seasons where we're reacting, we're more reacting and we're not pushing forward this equipping ministry that yeah, God has right. called us to. And we want to, 
I mean, wherever we're at in that equipping, that Ephesians four twelve equipping, we want to grow in that, and that's kind of the that, that's part of the, the hope yes. of this new staff pastor position that that's you can right. give real leadership in that. Yeah. So uh, speaking to the job description, um, how did we come up with this? Yeah. Uh, well, we came up with it by me first uh, going out and looking at the job description of a pastor of counseling in uh, like-minded or similar churches, churches that we would be kind of on the same page with doctrinally and philosophy. So looking at some of those job descriptions, I took a first crack at writing a draft of it. I, I thought you said AI did all the work. <laughs> AI is so helpful. You're letting out my secrets. Um, no, no, I did not use AI for this job description. Uh, then I showed it to uh, the other staff pastors. You guys critiqued it, made suggestions. We edited it some. Then we took it to the elders as a whole, and all of the elders looked over it, and they made more suggestions. And through that whole process, which took a few weeks mm -hmm. of review, uh, we finally came up with a job description that all the elders were happy with. And, uh, okay. Um, it is interesting, you know, uh, we haven't always put a job description in front of the congregation. No, we've for, never done it before. We, yeah, actually, <laughs> I don't think actually I had a job description. I'm still looking for it. Still looking for my job, <laughs> trying to figure out what my what my uh, special purpose is. Uh, so, okay, well, let's. Um, but uh, you know, speaking more generally, so not to the specifics of what you put down in the or kind of what we came up with for the particular lanes. Yeah. Um, for this role, what is uh. What will, you know, Lord willing, yeah. what will Mark Von Wald's main job be? No, that's a great question. And we put it right at the top of the job description, which I think most people have ignored, uh, which is his main job is just to be a pastor, mm -hmm. just a generalist pastor. First Peter five, uh, Peter instructs the elders to feed the sheep, to take mm -hmm. care of the flock amongst you mm -hmm. to guard and watch over them. Uh, Ephesians four says that the elders have been given to the church to equip the saints, to build them up and strengthen them so that they can do the work of the ministry. So Mark's main job, like every other pastor in the church will be uh, a ministry of word and prayer focused on feeding, caring for and guarding the flock. Uh, it made me think, I think I've shared this with you. Um, I have uh, a cousin who um, doesn't have any church background. Yeah. And she was just curious what I do because she knows what I do on Sundays. But she's like, what do you do the rest of the week? Mm -hmm. And I kind of described it for her, like what my week looks like. And this was her conclusion. Oh, so you're a counselor for Jesus. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, that's perfect. So, okay, so if that's you we've we've kind of laid out a rough job description which could change over time, the the main Well, and the pause there. Yeah. It will it will without doubt change over time. Yeah. Because every single one of the pastors, maybe with the exception of me, all, all of the other staff pastors, the job descriptions have changed over time. They change because staff come and go. They mm -hmm. change because the needs of the congregation change. Mm -hmm. uh, so we should expect that. Yes. Even though we've mapped out an initial lane for him to run it. Oh, that's helpful. Yep. And, and how will we evaluate um, Mark's, Lord willing, effectiveness, if this is a good fit for the congregation and for Mark? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. It'll be the same way that I think we evaluate all of the pastors. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the elders, of course, give oversight 
to the congregation, but the elders give oversight to one another. Mm -hmm. uh, and we give one another feedback. We give one another um, instruction and correction and encouragement along the way. Uh, so all the structures that are in place to encourage, to hold accountable, uh, to, to give feedback uh, to you and to Neil and mm -hmm. to Mark, well, those mm -hmm. will all be in place for Mark Von Wald as well. I think the main way we are able to evaluate the effectiveness, though, of any of the pastors, me included, uh, is in the lives of the congregation. Right? That's right. The, the congregation really gives us our evaluation. That's right. Uh, and uh, we, while we don't, I, I said this when I came here 14 years ago, while I don't work for the congregation, I'm, I'm ultimately accountable to God. That's right. Nevertheless, my responsibility is for this flock, as is yours, and as Lord willing will be Mark's. And the, the effectiveness of his ministry will be evident or it won't be evident in the life of the congregation. And this is not uh, actually the purpose of this conversation that you and I are having right now is not so much to talk about Mark von Wald as it is. Uh, sorry, Mark, we love you. We but, do. But we're but we're not talking about, we're not you, talking right about you. But I am for a minute, <laughs> uh, because in this particular case, one of the things that commends Mark is and what you know, he was he's already doing the work as a lay elder and even before because he was just recognized as a lay elder not too long ago that's right but the reason why he was recognized and affirmed unanimously by the congregation i think is because he was already doing the work yeah, he's been about the work for some time of pastoring of pastoring yes that's, just not full time that's correct although sometimes it seems like it um all right so let's um let's change gears now a little bit to to think about some of you know, I think sometimes we have a confusion of terms because of uh, our familiarity with counseling in uh, a professional context and even some of the words that we have in scripture. Um, <laughs> let me share a funny story. Okay. Well, I early on in my ministry here, as I'm very green and I'm growing as a pastor, right. I thought it would be wise in a pastoral prayer to pray that we as a congregation, we would be about repenting of anxiety. Um, because I thought I was standing on pretty good ground. Sure. By just briefly saying, you know, that we would repent of the, of the sin of anxiety, or I don't, I, maybe I didn't say sin. That's maybe saying it too strong, but yeah, I certainly heard back from the congregation after that. Oh yeah. I because, bet you did. because, and I, and again, I'm just like, I'm just looking at, I'm looking at uh, Philippians four. You're looking at Matthew. Philippians four, six. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I think that's what Jesus was calling us to do, but I think what's going on there. And this was very instructive for me as a, you know, uh, we, we mean different things That's right. by these words. So let's, let's just talk about different terms and let's begin by saying how, how is talking to another church member for counseling different from say, seeing a professional counselor, therapist, psychiatrist? Yeah. So, uh, when, when you go to see, a. uh, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a professional licensed counselor or therapist, uh, you are going to see somebody who has been trained very specifically in some medical and or uh, psychological categories and techniques. They tend to, uh, not so much psychiatrists, but uh, counselors and mm -hmm. therapists, they tend to specialize. Mm -hmm. So like they will do 
addiction counseling or marriage counseling or career counseling. They don't just do general counseling. Um, they will be probably focused on some either some very specific problem solving mm -hmm. to help you get past some roadblock in your life. Mm -hmm. Or they, they may actually be trying to go much deeper using some psychological therapeutic frameworks mm -hmm. to, to understand why do certain behavior patterns keep recurring over and over again that they're, they're getting in your way. Um, it's, a, it's a very specialized, at times medical, uh, at, at other times we, we would just say uh, clinical or therapeutic uh, discipline. Mm -hmm. What will not happen in the therapist's office is God's word will not be opened. The, the gospel will not be applied. Now, and that's, that's not because the therapist isn't a Christian. The therapist could be a Christian. Certainly. It's because it's disallowed. Mm -hmm. uh, th those are professions that are governed by the state. There are specific rules. Uh, there are constraints placed on them. In the church, by contrast... Before you turn to the church... Yeah. Uh, are we supportive? I, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Are we supportive of what you just described, that kind of counseling? Uh, I am. Yes. Yeah, me I too. Am. I personally have sought out that kind of counseling yeah. for myself. Yeah, and yeah. have benefited from it. That's right. Um, I, I think quite often those kinds of counselors are, well, they're really trained to address something very specific that yeah. you might be dealing with. Right. And they're frankly not interested in your worldview. Yeah. <laughs> they're not interested in your religious commitments. Mm -hmm. They're not interested. They're not trying to engage you spiritually. They're, they're just trying to address a, a very specific emotional or behavioral uh, issue that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So I think those kinds of professionals can be extremely helpful in, in the, in the lane that they run in. And, and you and I have referred church members to such counselors. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we'll continue to do so. That's right. Okay. So now talk about, you were about to talk about then what in the church, then what's counseling in the church now that you've laid out with that. Yeah. So I think, I think one, one of the great differences with the church is that in the church, uh, we aren't trying to deny, uh, brain science. We're not trying to even ignore brain science. We're not trying to deny or ignore that there can be biological and medical things going on in a person's life. We're simply saying, oh, but also we are embodied souls mm -hmm. and there's a spiritual reality to our lives that also has something to say to what you're experiencing. And so counseling in the church comes along and says, whatever might be going on with you physically or whatever might be going on in terms of patterns that have developed in your brain mm -hmm. uh, because of past trauma or addiction, mm -hmm. God's word has something to say. I hope so. Absolutely. And what God's word has to say to this particular issue, whatever it might be, is not just helpful, but it's of absolute foundational and crucial importance. That's right. That's right. Because we're not just bodies. We're not just brains. We are, uh, to use that phrase that I think C.S. Lewis so helpfully, uh, we, we are embodied souls. And you can't finally separate the two. 
You can't divide the two. And to engage us as if there wasn't a spiritual aspect to whatever might be going on in your life is to really neglect the whole person mm-hmm. and to fail to address the fullness of whatever it is that they might be dealing with. So I think in the church, we have the, the privilege, but also the responsibility uh, to, to bring the wisdom of the Spirit as it's revealed in the Word to God's people as they deal with all manner of challenges or struggles in this life. Well said. Okay. I think that's a really good foundational answer um, that I think begs the the question that I want to turn to next, which is competency. Uh, Because I think when many of us think about the category of counseling, um, we have some fears because of maybe past experiences in the church or from other Christians where we have seen uh, counseling gone wrong. Yeah. Bad counseling. Um, So, and I think that raises a question for some of us Uh, and you and I have, I I can remember times when you, and I know I have become angry because we hear of bad biblical in the name of kind of biblical low lowercase B counseling being done, harm being done to someone we care about. Yeah, that's right. Um, so which begs the question. Are pastors and church members competent to counsel other members dealing with suffering and things like trauma, anxiety, depression, even suicidal ideation? Because, you know, those are some serious, those can become very serious things where like literally lives are at stake. Yeah. And then we're just saying, hey, oh yeah, every Christian can do that. No problem. Right. Right. So without doubt, we've seen a lot of bad Christian counseling, Mm -hmm. a lot of bad biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes that counseling looks like simply quoting a Bible verse to somebody Mm -hmm. and telling them to repent Mm -hmm. or quoting a Bible verse to somebody and telling them to pray more. Yeah. Right. And while it's, while it's kind of probably obvious to most people that if you're dealing with somebody who's psychotic, you can't just say, you should repent of your psychosis. Right. Yeah, not possible, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, 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 we also want to be careful to say, oh, you, you, you shouldn't just say to somebody, you need to repent of being depressed. Yeah, that's, that, that's malpractice. Um, that's not to say that sin, sinful actions, or sinful thinking or unbelieving thinking can't play into depression and aggravate depression, uh, it, it's, it would simply be bad practice to tell somebody, well, the scriptures say that we should be joyful in the Lord, so repent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. And, and in part, it's bad because also it's not uh, very loving. It's not very good listening. No. You know? No. So. I also don't think it's true to what the scriptures say we should be doing because my answer to your question, are we competent to do this is yes, we are competent to do this. And I, so I would, I would take us to, to a passage like, um, second Corinthians chapter one, verse three. Uh, let's see if I can make my context work so that I can read this. Uh, Paul says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction 
so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the suffering, so you will also share in the comfort. Paul believes that in the gospel we have received comfort. We've, we've received help in our affliction. And because we've received that help, we are able to help others. It's not a help that we've come up with on our own. It's the help of the gospel itself that's come to us as we apply that same gospel that we received to the life of someone else. So I think we are competent to help one another in our afflictions. Now, I just want to say again, I'm using, therefore, the, the language of counseling in, in, a, in a way that is different than the technical way in which that terminology would be used outside the church in the secular fields of, of therapy or licensed counseling. Uh, uh, the counsel that we bring isn't a particular psychotherapeutic framework. The counsel that we bring is the, the very real comfort of the gospel as, it, as it's applied to our specific situation. We could do a whole podcast, I feel like, on that passage, or that's such a, it's such a helpful passage to go to. I'm glad you turned us there. And I was struck as you were reading that there in verse 4. Do you think there's any significance that he says he comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction? Because I think today we so often think like, hey, if I haven't experienced gender dysphoria, if I haven't experienced same-sex attraction, if I haven't experienced depression, if I haven't experienced suicidal ideation, if I haven't experienced marital conflict, I can't help you. Yeah, that's what the world tells us, right? Yeah. The world says that the only way you can help anybody is if you can completely identify with what they're going through. Mm. And yet we understand that that in Christ and the gospel, in the riches of scripture, we have the treasury of all of God's wisdom mm. for all that afflicts us. And so being in Christ and knowing the comfort of the spirit, we are competent mm. to comfort others. Now, mm. again, some, this will me saying that will make some people nervous. And there's a special kind of counsel and comfort that can come from someone who has also experienced that particular kind of suffering or trial that you are going that's through. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We don't want to deny that. We don't want to deny that. And we also don't want to deny that there's also room for learning. Okay, well, what are the kind of specific things that I need to be aware of if somebody is expressing suicidal ideation? Mm-hmm. And what are those thresholds that would cause me to pick up a to, to stop trying to read scripture to somebody and to pick up a phone and call nine one one? Like there are things that we should know. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying that um, everything that needs to be known or done is in the scriptures. What I am saying is that in the scriptures we have been given a rich, rich treasury of comfort for one another. Mm-hmm. And we should be bringing that to bear in each other's lives. All right. So 
I still have a couple more questions because yeah. this has been really helpful. I, I think um, we've kind of done some deconstruction and hopefully cleared the field a little bit. But I think there's probably still lots of questions. I know even in my, it's like, okay, we've talked about what what uh, counseling, biblical counseling, again, lowercase b, lowercase c, yeah. counseling, Christian counseling in the church looks like. Um, how do we do it? So I'm looking at like, how ought we to use the Bible when counseling one another? Say someone's dealing with anxiety. Uh, you said, I, we hope scripture has something to say to someone who's dealing with anxiety or depression. And, and again, we're not saying you can't, you, you can't refer to a licensed professional, but um, how, how might we do this more faithfully? Like, what, give us a positive example. Yeah. So let's say somebody comes to you um, and, and just lets you know that they're, they're really experiencing anxiety in their life. And I don't mean just worry. Uh, all of us encounter situations that cause us worry, and the worry then drives us to formulate a plan uh, so that we can deal with whatever is causing us that worry. And once the plan's in place, the worry subsides and, and we move on. No, I'm talking about the kind of anxiety that, that seems like it just persists, and, it, and it, it's getting in the way of us functioning in life. So what, what do we do? Um, well, I, I mean, I think the first thing you always want to do is let the person that's sharing that with you know how much you appreciate that they've been willing to share it with you. Uh, acknowledge how difficult it might have been, right? Uh, it's a vulnerable thing to admit our weakness mm -hmm. uh, with, with another human being. Uh, so listen and affirm. And then That's go a on. Thing to do. Having affirmed, go on and listen. Ask yeah. some questions. Don't go. assume that you understand what the anxiety means. Don't uh, assume that you, you, oh, yeah, I experienced that too. And all of a sudden you're talking <laughs> by yourself mm. instead of the person that's come to you. Mm. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. Really try to understand what the person uh, is dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we also want to be pointing one another to the Lord. And so be quick to pray with them, mm -hmm. acknowledge, validate the suffering that they've shared with you, listen and try to understand it and be quick to take that with them and apart from them to the Lord in prayer, because we do believe that the Lord is the, is the great physician. Mm -hmm. He heals us of all of our afflictions. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, mm -hmm. we also want though, I think to bring the scriptures to bear. Uh, in, in one another's lives. And, I, and, and so one scripture, like if somebody's dealing with persistent worry and anxiety, uh, a scripture that would often come to mind, I think, for someone is, is Philippians 4, 6, where uh, Paul tells us, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Okay, well, we've already said, don't just quote this verse to them and tell them to repent or tell them, well, let's just pray and say, amen, and be done with the prayer and look up and say, right, so the worry's gone? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Um, I do think it's important to take somebody to a verse like this and then do what it says, pray with them about the situation, um, remind them perhaps of things to be thankful for in the midst of their anxiety. But I think the other thing that's so important is to bring that verse, that specific verse to somebody in its context. There's a reason that Paul is able to say what he says there 
in chapter 4, verse 6. And I think in part the reason is found back in chapter 3, verse 20, where he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. In part, a few verses later, Paul is able to say, don't worry, but pray, because he's already reminded us of, about the end of the story. Mm. Uh, he, he doesn't say that there's nothing in life worth worrying about. He doesn't say that you're crazy to be worrying. He, he's, he's essentially reminded us, hey, our future is secure. No matter what happens right now, our future is secure. And therefore, we can take our worries to the Lord. We can, we can bring our petitions to Him and trust mm -hmm. that He has it well in hand. Mm -hmm. So if, we're, if you're someone who tends to use the Bible as um, silver bullets to solve problems or, uh, you know, yeah, this is, this is the answer book. And he, if you're dealing with anxiety, I have a scripture for you. You're probably not going to be a very good counselor. You're going to be a terrible counselor. Yeah. But if we're reading scripture in context, seeking to understand, you know, what, what the Lord is saying in, in the larger context and in light of these other, pr the promises of God. That's right. That's what, I mean, this is what you really see if you zoom out a little bit to that, to, um, you know, verse chapter four, verse six is in the context of, of promise of the Lord is near comes right before that verse. That's right. And, uh, and then also positively, it doesn't just say like, stop it, stop it. But it tells you positively, um, Here, what here's, to focus your mind on later. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah. Refocus your mind. Right. Um, for people who are familiar with us, the, the secular technique of cognitive behavioral therapy, mm -hmm. you will immediately begin to see some of the similarities of mm -hmm. what I'm just doing here. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're realizing, okay, I'm thinking one way, mm -hmm. and this is what's triggered it, you know, something that's triggered my anxiety. I actually need to reframe the way I'm thinking. And the way I do that is not through... Uh, some random technique. No, the way I do that is I take myself back to the ultimate realities that God has revealed in his word. I reframe my thinking in terms of his promises, his nearness. Mm -hmm. And that begin, and, and then I begin to positively do the things that God's word calls me to do, which is to pray, mm -hmm. to take all those words to him, to be thankful, uh, and to keep doing it, to invite others in with me. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear, none of that means that you shouldn't also go talk to your doctor. Right. But what I just heard you say is that cognitive behavioral therapy is biblical. <laughs> I'm so, I, I, I knew I shouldn't have agreed to this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I know what you're I hear what you're saying. I think everybody would well, understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I'm trying to say is, honestly, why do some of the worldly secular techniques work? Mm-hmm. To the extent that they do, well, it's because I think they reflect truths that are already there in Scripture. Mm -hmm. This is God's world. Yeah, God made us. He made our minds the way they work. He made our bodies the way they work. There's a reason that effective secular therapies work. And it's honestly, I think, 
to whatever extent they happen to map onto the truth of who we are as creatures made in the image of God. Amen. Well said. Um, way to recover from the trap that I set for you. Uh, okay. Just one last question and be thinking if there's anything else you want okay. to say just to conclude, but, um, okay. Someone could have listened to this whole podcast and be like, uh, I think they just described discipleship. Isn't mm. that just discipleship? Is it? I, it's a great question. Yeah. So how would you respond to that? Well, I would say, yeah, it is. I would say it's a subset of discipleship. Okay. So if discipleship and discipling one another is just that, that broad and general category of us, of helping one another learn to follow Jesus as disciples in this world, uh, and conforming our lives to the pattern of Christ as he's revealed in the scriptures, then, then the counseling aspect of that is just a subset. It's when we begin to perhaps take those general principles and now apply them to specific, particular, concrete, and often quite complex problems. Sure. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah, because often when we talk about discipleship at Henson, I, I recognize that we're, uh, you know, we just want to be clear that discipleship is everything that's involved in following Jesus. And, that's we, right. and we do that with together as Christ's body. That's so right. like coming to church is a form of discipleship. Yep, Singing right. uh, hymns and spiritual songs is a form, form of, of discipleship. discipleship. But uh, also counseling one another is a form of discipleship. That's right. Okay. Anything else you want to say? No, I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. Uh, we are a very diverse church with a, with a, a diverse set of experiences. Mm -hmm. People come at this question uh, with strong feelings because of either bad experiences that they've had or really positive experiences that, they, that they've had. And I'm, and I'm glad that this is giving us a chance to talk about these things and see how in all of that diversity, we can together pursue the unity of the church as we seek to build one another up in the truth. Amen. Well, thank you for agreeing to do this podcast <laughs> with me. Quite I, I trust it will be helpful. Me too.